So films, eh? Yeah. All the films. All the films, but also kind of not this month. None of the films. Are you really pushing for that sort of like pre-music bit where we have like some awkward chat and then it's like, ha, 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 and then music? Is that what you're going for? No, let's not bother then. Are you going to bark all day? Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Ben and Rob. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises and film nonsense. This is a monthly pick and mix episode, which we look at the concession stand of film and choose from the selection of film trailers and film news for the month. This time, we're looking at January 2024, and the popcorn flavour is... Oh, fuck, I forgot. Oh, that one you really like. That one. That one. Yeah, just just the one that everyone likes. That that one that I'm thinking of. Thanks, Ben. So, well, I just... I, I was concentrating on getting some trailers and some news and everything like that, and I forgot about the popcorn flavour. Sometimes I, I have a, a good one, other times I do not. This is clearly one of the latter. Anyway, how's your January been? Um, made a lot of marmalade. Yes, you gave us some as well. We haven't tried it yet. And that's why you're still standing. Yeah. I mean, I've never made marmalade as, as a thing. It looks like a very messy process. It's not necessarily messy. It? It's more time consuming. Oh, okay. The popcorn flavor is marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, well, it just it just looks like a lot of you know oranges and sugar and 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 boiling it and shit. Yeah, pretty much. Know? It's the best way of attracting bears wearing hats, though. Yes. So, any uh, outside of marmalade and marmalade making, you good? Yeah, you. Yeah, not bad, thanks. So, we have news and trailers. Which one are we going to do first? Uh, trailers, I guess. That's what we tend to do. What trailers do you have written down? I have five. Ooh, I only have three. Two of which involves talking animals. Yes, I think I have those two as well. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming the two that you're talking about, Spaceman and Tuesday. Yes. Hell yeah. Let's talk about both of those. Which one first? Uh, possibly Tuesday, because it's the heaviest one. Yes, that does look... I saw a thing that said the trailer for Tuesday was presented in a tweet where someone was saying, "Guarantee you won't understand, you won't guess the context of the, the, the journey of this film or what this film is really about." And so I yeah. thought, "Oh, that'd be whimsical." Because the last time I saw something like that was the Jennifer Lopez one, where it's like shotgun wedding or something, <laughs> where yes, you have absolutely no idea that what the, what the trailer, you know, how the trailer starts as to how it ends. So I thought, "Oh, this will be another really, really wacky sort of film." So it stars. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yep, and it's called Tuesday, and she is the mother of a disabled daughter. And the trailer starts out by saying the daughter's trying to get her to use Tinder, and and saying, you know, um, "Do you even know how to flirt at your age?" And she said, "Well, how do you think you got here?" So it's all whimsical. Then a talking parrot turns up, which is quite whimsical. And well, the- a, a haggard-looking parrot, though. That's that's the yes, that's, that's the the. You know, you're not like, oh, this is going to be magical because he's he hasn't exactly got bright plumage. But you think, still, maybe 
you know, maybe that's just a bit of context we're we're kind of missing. But yeah. But it's a shrinking parrot. Yeah, apparently so. And a growing parrot. And the parrot is there to, and it's it's in the trailer. So spoilers if you're avoiding trailers, but it but it is in the trailer. The parrot is there to help her get over the impending or possibly recently happened death of her daughter. Yeah. And my God, it looks talk about tear jerking films as we did a few episodes ago. It looks uh, looks to be a weepy. It looks pretty emotionally devastating. That's for damn yes. sure. It. It it's kind of it seems to be a very strange meditation on grief and uh, loss and kind of acceptance, I guess, and, and bittersweet kind of emotions. It does look like a departure for Julia Louis Dreyfus, who mostly does comedic stuff. She she's done some serious roles before, hmm. but like yeah, it it looks. See, the funny thing is, it didn't look very funny. I, <laughs> the funny well the funny thing is i think it would look kind of and i use the term advisedly whack if like if it wasn't a24 yes that gives it sort of license i guess to get a bit weird i think so i think you I, you wouldn't trust it because it's dealing with the sort of metaphysical it's dealing with these kind of very strange things and you know it is a complete tonal shift when you have a talking parrot that's kind of a shapeshifter and can do all sorts of things. And, and you know, it, it's weird, but you trust it because it's A24 mm. and that's what they do. I think it's going to be pretty devastating. What well, a worthy watch, but devastating nonetheless. Yeah. But it, it looks super weird and I'm all for it. It's going to be one of those films that I have to be in the sort of mood for, though. I'm not sure I can be like, oh, yeah, let's go and have a trip to the cinema. Oh, what's on Tuesday? Yeah, just what's that? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that sort of movie. So the other one with an animal. Sad film with a talking animal. Yeah, Spaceman. Space Adam Sandler doing proper acting again, which is good. For Netflix? Yeah, it always it always frustrates me because, and I'm, I'm not the only one to say this, but it always frustrates me that he does his stupid juvenile stuff and yet he is a good actor my favorite thing he did was his acceptance speech when he won the award for uncut gems it was mm. like an actor's award and he's and he's sort of saying about how commiserations to all the other actors who've now lost an acting award to adam sandler i know but he is good this is the thing punch drunk love is fantastic and and uncut gems and everything while i wouldn't again watch that on a whim because uncut gems is stressful this this looks really weird and again metaphysical I think the idea is he's been in space for a long time. On a solo journey in space. Yes. And he's he's married to Carrie Mulligan. Lenka, I think, is the character's name, but it's Carrie Mulligan. And she's back on Earth, and he feels that his marriage is slipping away. It, she's not going to be there when he gets back. And then suddenly he picks up a being. It says that's been there since the beginning of time in, in this sort of official blurb. But it takes the form of a giant spider, voiced by Paul Dano. Yep. And will help him somehow. Arachnophobes among you, probably not going to be the film for you. Uh, especially, and that's the thing, I'm not an arachnophobic, but seeing its legs in sort of zero gravity, sort of that. Yeah, it looked creepy. Even though it wasn't a creepy trailer, it did look creepy. It was a creepy spider with his big shining eyes and furry pincers. 
Yeah, but that was the thing. That, there was kind of a cuteness to it. But, like, I guess, I guess, yeah, it could be creepy as well. But seeing its kind of legs just wiggle in zero G without getting purchased, that, that creeped me out a little bit. Mm. Very, very strange, but very cool. I, I think, and I, this, I feel, is the stuff that Netflix should be taking a chance on because it, it would be very hard to market this, I think, unless it was like an A24 movie, <laughs> in which case, you know, you've, you've built up the brand, you've built up that trust. Yeah, looks super weird, but I'm into it. Hmm. Yes, that's out in February, I think. Mm. So I've got two more trailers. Roadhouse. Did you see that they're reimagining Roadhouse? Yes, then I saw it was for on Amazon and I don't have that, so I thought, oh, I've got a bother watching that. See, this is this is the problem. Because I, I get that way. I don't have Apple TV at the mm. moment, and so obviously everyone's all about Masters of the Air and, and whatever, and it's just like, I can't get excited for it because it's just, it's not worth that extra monthly kind of thing. I'm sure it is, but, you know, I just can't stretch to that right now. I've got too many streaming services. Yes. Whenever I hear the title Master of the Air, I keep thinking of the song Master of the House from Les Mis. Yeah, see, I think of Masters of the Universe, the He-Man thing. So okay. that's that's the difference between me and you. <laughs> so Roadhouse, I don't know if you ever saw the original. No, but I have seen the bit in Parks and Recreation. Well, that's that's basically it. It's, it's not the most complex film ever. But uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is in this fighting people, and he's good at fighting. And this woman has has a bar which has has attracted the wrong clientele who like fighting and smashing stuff up. So she hires him to protect her bar. But then there's a big bad who's played by Conor McGregor, who can't act. Well, I'm not going to say that to his face. Um, but it's, you don't need to be able to act to be a big old villain. And it looks like it's going to have some cool, crunchy fighting. And, you know, as as much as I like getting all depressed with art house films and shit like that, God help me, I do love some action as well. So it actually looks quite a lot of fun. And it's, it's a reimagining, so, you know, it's not a straight-up remake. And it's by uh, Doug Lyman, who has directed lots of very, very good things, including... Born Identity, Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. And numerous other stuff. He's Dude knows his way around action, so it's at least going to be shot well. I think it could be really cool. I was I, I wouldn't have put a Roadhouse remake down as something that actually looks fairly decent, but I think it does. And I'm assuming you've seen the trailer for Monkey Man. I have, yes. Goddamn, I'm excited for this film. This came out of nowhere. I mean, you've got Jordan Peele producing... Obviously, they make a big deal of that in the marketing. Yeah. But Dev Patel, is this his directorial debut? Yes, he, so it's his idea. He's sort of part-written it, part-directed, and is the star of it. Yeah, it looks great. Well, that, that, that was a trailer that kind of, I got, it's, sort of, it, it, it's quite misleading, not in a devious way, but in a, I think it's, it, it sort of wrong foots you because it starts off talking about this, um, this mythical monkey warrior who would sort of... Um, protects people in times of need against an, uh, against like an evil oppressor. And then it gets to the present day and it's Dev Patel working in sort of various horrible jobs. I think he says he'll always take a, you know, he'll never say no to jobs. There's like him cleaning toilets and just taking the really... Grotty jobs. Yeah. And then so I think, I guess, sticking up for the poor, but in a sort of a John Wick style 
violent way. It looks brutal. It kind of looks like a mix between Slumdog Millionaire and John Wick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm super for it. I love a good mask in films, and they've got this sort of Kali type god masks and all that stuff, and and sort of dealing with the sort of mysticism type things, and and yeah, and the the fighting looks brutal and a lot of fun, and yeah, get it in my veins. ASAP. I couldn't work out whether it, whether it was um, yeah supernatural mystical or whether it is reality or sort of a heightened reality. Is if I had to guess, it'd be heightened reality. Okay, like it's got that sort of mystical thing to it, but you know that things are kept pretty pretty grounded. But then I could be absolutely wrong. You know, it's it's like that's this is the best thing. I have no idea what to expect apart from some bone crunching action, which it looks like it has. So sign me the f up. Do you have one? Yep, the, uh, there is the Bob Marley biopic, which, oh, yes. which I keep thinking is called Marley and Me, but it isn't. <laughs> that would be good. Marley and I and I would be the cool way of saying it. Can you tell I'm white? Yes. Bob Marley, One Love, where it, it's uh, Kingsley Benadir is playing Bob Marley. So it's mm-hmm. the biopic of his life. I keep thinking he's Welsh, not Bob Marley, but because of <laughs> Marvel's secret invasion. I, I, I do keep thinking, oh, it's nice to see a Welsh actor. But he's not Welsh. He's not Welsh. No, you can just do a convincing Welsh accent. Mm. But apparently when he was on the set of Barbie, he had a whole room so he could practice his Bob Marley recording. Nice. Yes, he was one of the Kens. Yeah, no, he's great. I really like him. So, and and I must admit, I don't, other than the music, I don't know much about Bob Marley's life. So I imagine this would be a good way to learn. Yes. Hopefully it actually, you know, that, that that's the thing I've said before about sort of biopics and, and expressing quite why a whole film was made about it. You have to sort of prove that in the sort of biopic, that you have to almost justify your own existence. Like, why have you focused on this person? Now, obviously, I know Bob Marley is legendary and, and you know, his, his contribution to popular music it, it alone but he's a very, very interesting man from from my scant research and, and knowing a little bit about him. So hopefully this will fill in the gaps and this will actually be like a a decent sort of retelling of that. Fingers crossed. Yes. Was that it? The only other one is a Glenn Powell film called Hitman, which again is on Netflix. I think directed by David Fincher, or well, David Fincher's got some involvement in it, where... Glenn Powell is a hitman, but it didn't really give much away, whether it's sort of, I think it's like comedic or something, or... I saw that, and then it sort of, because there wasn't much to sort of grab onto, I think it just bounced off my brain. I can see why. Yeah, I think I, I did see that, and then it was just like, yeah, not much to get excited for, because what the hell is this? But, you know, that's a good thing, it's a surprise kind of thing, but unfortunately I did forget seeing that trailer, so... Maybe that isn't quite what they were going for. But I'll watch it, I'm sure. We done? For the trailers? Yes, I think so. Unless you had any more? No, no, no. No, no it's, it's, just, it's January, dude. The, you know, we have a couple of things coming out in March, and that's that's kind of about it for, you know, this this is a, a fallow period for movies. So... Well, I've got... I was going to say, what news do you have? Quite a lot of news. A lot of news. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, actually, straight off the bat, I got some wrestling stuff. I know people love me talking about wrestling. It's they people come up to me in the street and just like, oh, why don't you just do a full wrestling podcast? I'm like, oh, you. 
it's not true. But it's been a unusually big week for WWE. He's been in the news in the main news twice. Yes, yes, one for good and one for very much not. He that cross about the Netflix deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's just rubbish, prime or nothing. Yeah, no, it's it, they've got a Netflix deal, so Monday Night Raw, or they're just calling it Raw, so it may not even be on Monday nights anymore. Uh, is is going to Netflix at the start of next year. And the US gets a shitty deal, in fact, because they get they just get Raw and NXT, which is the developmental brand, and SmackDown are on different TV networks, whereas the UK and pretty much all other territories outside of the US gets all of it on Netflix. So you get Raw, NXT, SmackDown, and any of the sort of premium live events, so Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. Yeah, so I was surprised that the premium ones are on there as well. Yeah, and I think, because they're shutting down the WWE Network, that's the thing. The, the, the network was actually one of the first kind of that sports streaming thing. They actually pioneered quite a few things. You know, the, the, a lot of people thought that that was kind of crazy and devaluing the, what they call PLEs, the, the premium live events, because, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to watch it at home, you had to go for like go Sky, box, Sky office. box office yeah. or yeah. yeah, you know, or anything like that. And it, it cost a lot of money, mm. but then, you know, just paying nine ninety nine for the WWE network a month, you got access to all that shit. Plus all the video library. I don't know where all they've got thousands upon thousands of hours of all the previous kind of live events and all the archives of raw and SmackDown and everything. And, and, WCW and ECW and many other things, including documentaries and whatever. I don't know where all that's going to go. I'm not sure that will all go to Netflix, but we'll see. But it's a crazy good deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they've made five billion. I think <laughs> it's a five billion dollar deal. So um, yeah, I mean things were going to change anyway because of uh, TKO, which is the conglomerate that now owns UFC and WWE. And they were clearly going to kind of pivot to some bigger kind of thing. But the fact that, that you know, you can, th- this does actually feel kind of futuristic in, in the way that you're going to have the sort of live streaming on something like Netflix. So we'll be live yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, but then you can you can watch it after the fact as well. But yeah, you can watch it, you can watch it live on Netflix. Hmm, weird. So we'll we'll see about that. But that's pretty damn cool. It, uh, for if you're a big old wrestling fan like your boy, it's a it's a damn good deal. But we'll see. Oh, then on the other side, we have to mention it because it, it's it's so shitty. It's good in a way because Vince Vince McMahon is gone from the company. Thank fuck. He was gone initially. He retired. Well, quote unquote retired because of sexual assault allegations and paying women hush money. But then he managed to slime his way back in. But now there's another lawsuit that's been brought against him, which has some absolutely horrific allegations. I don't know, man. I don't have a hard time believing them. And that's just one of the NDAs. And the reason why this this woman was able to break the NDA is because he didn't keep up his payments. All right. <laughs> he was paying her $3 million and didn't pay after a while. Uh, but yeah, Vince uh, Vince is gone when Slim Jim, the uh, the meat snack company, were, said they were pausing advertising, 
Uh, and this came on the heels of like a huge, huge sort of advertising synergy type thing. Apparently it was a lot of money for WWE and, uh, and they said they paused it because of the allegations against Vince McMahon. So he is gone. And from what I understand, because of the structure of the company and because of everything, he can't get back now. He is done. And it does feel like a curse has been lifted from the village somewhat. I mean, I said that after the first time. And the thing is, it makes me feel bad as a wrestling fan because I've been supporting WWE. I mean, it's they're not just, you know, reliant on just me. But, you know, as a, as a fan, you want to be able to, in good conscience, support the thing you love. And it gets tough sometimes when you find out these things about people and the machinations behind the whole thing. But hopefully this is the first step into getting the deeply, deeply problematic people out and creating something that could actually be, you know, fun. So, yeah, I just wanted to have that out front. So the Netflix deal, good. Vince McMahon, bad. Little Cliff Notes thing there for you. <laughs> the weird thing with the, with the Netflix deal is also announced that The Rock is um, now owns the trademark of The Rock name and is now on the board of TKO as a director. Yeah, yeah, super weird. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think he didn't own mm. The Rock. Yeah, uh, WWE name. did. Yeah, but yeah, he's on the board of directors now, and he is still one of the uh, biggest stars on the planet. So having having The Rock on uh, the board of directors is a good thing, I think. So, so yeah, and they've been teasing a, a him getting back in the ring against Roman Reigns. So, fingers crossed. But Royal Rumble was good, despite all of this. Yeah, huge, huge stuff for wrestling. But, uh, but you know, if you're not into wrestling, this means nothing. So, we'll move on. What, what news you got? Uh, I mean, I've got plenty, but, you know, I just, just talked for a bit. So. What do I have? I have the copyright on Steamboat Willie ran out at the start of this year, which then... <laughs> you launched... have the copyright. Yes, I have the copyright. <laughs> so I'm pleased to announce that I am now making a horror film based on the Steamboat Willie character. Yeah. And it's just weird because this happened last year, was it, with Winnie the Pooh? That yeah. when a character goes into public domain, there's a sort of a rush to, let's create a horror film. And that's just, why? I suppose horror films are cheap and easy to make. Or not easy to make, but you know, comparatively yeah, low cost. That's, that's exactly why. Also, I think and particularly with the... Steamboat Willie character, it, it you can't take him and sort of make Fantasia because it's got to be distinctly different from something Disney would offer. So I suppose that you couldn't really put him into put put the character into a comedy or anything sort of that looks vaguely Disney. So I guess you have to, um, yeah, horror is probably one of the only options. Probably, but you could do something a lot more inventive and kind of creative than just oh, let's be the first to have a horror movie starring this character just so we can get some buzz on the internet and it, it feels like the the Winnie the Pooh thing Blood and Honey got got the actual sort of like the ironic crowd I guess even though I think everyone who saw it hated it but this one it, it feels like okay well We've seen it done now. We've seen that sort of thing. It wasn't particularly funny the first time. I can't imagine it's going to be great. So we're going to get diminishing returns with this. I believe that Superman is coming up for 
public domain things, only a, a specific kind of thing, and I don't think they'll be able to use this sort of S logo or anything like that, but uh, but I believe Superman enters the public domain soon, so I dare mm. say we'll get some shitty Superman horror movies. Oh, wait, Brightburn exists. I thought Brightburn was all right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just wanted to have a little bit of a jape, a little bit of a joke there for our fans. But then so, it's like with... Um... I don't know if or when Zorro would enter the public domain, but because I think that's, that's heavily protected by a by a by an organ like the, something like the Zorro organization. But yeah, isn't isn't he actually in the public domain? It's just the they the, 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 yeah the all, Zorro all the stuff that company. makes Zorro Zorro is uh, is owned by someone else, like the the, right. the hat, the whip, the the mask. I think. Yeah. A horror film about Zorro would actually kind of slap. Let's think about it. Like the well, exactly the the Z on on, on the, the victims, victims and yeah. shit. You know, and a, a guy who is stereotypically a hero, and he comes out and then just kills people, and then the Z. Don't well, I suppose he, he, he could he could still be a hero to the poor, but being horrific to the rich. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could just have it from the rich guy's point of view. But, Won't um, somebody think of the landowners? Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, I've got a couple, well, I've got quite a few things actually. Just like weird things. I'm sure you have this on yours. Something about oh, what is it, what is his name? That Star Wars character, Mando Lorian, and Grogu. That there's a film happening of that now? Indeed. Yes. With John Favreau. I'm excited. I like Mandalorian. Well, they hadn't announced the Series 4, had they? Hang on. So, yeah, so they hadn't announced Series 4, and which I think people get a bit worried about. And, mm. yeah, so they've announced a full-on film, which is separate to the other three films that were previously announced. Mmm. Good shit. I'm excited. I, I'm not sick of Mandalorian and Grogu yet. The last series was a little bit rough, but not not irredeemably so. Yeah. So, so yeah. No, that's 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 cool. Um, I saw an article on the Guardian. Uh, there's some very very kind of like uh, this type of journalism I hate. Where it's clearly framed. No, this isn't about Mandalorian. This is about something different entirely. But like, um, I don't like those sort of news stories where it's clear that it's feeding you something to get annoyed about, or something that's easily shared. You know that sort of like clickbait, clickbait type yeah. thing. But but sort of rage bait. That sort of thing where it's kind of. Because it's not clickbait, because I think clickbait is a, a very specific thing where, you know, you are, I guess it probably has, the definition has expanded as the whole thing has. But I always thought clickbait was something that gets you there under false pretenses. So, you know, this is, this is rage bait. Yeah, and, and it's, it was the Guardian reporting that some of the James Bond films will now have trigger warnings. What? is interesting to me about the whole thing is that it's the, the the piece was called license to offend 
BFI season. Oh, sorry, it's the BFI. Uh, gave James gives James Bond films trigger warnings. Season celebrating the work of British composer John Barry flags films from the sixties and seventies that contain outdated language, images, and stereotypes that will cause offence. And again, I don't see a problem with this, like having trigger warnings. It's really it's 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 not that big a deal. But you know the license to offend thing, as like you know we're meant to be going. Oh, we can't say anything these days. Political correctness gone mad, and fucking woke millennials and their trigger warnings, and you know other words that old people don't understand. And it it just bugs me. It, I I don't like. That sort of thing. I think trigger warnings are fine because they they're easily ignored. If it doesn't apply to you, they're so easily easily ignored. Why why are people upset about these things that just says it may contain this? It doesn't con contain plot spoilers or anything like that. It's just oh, it will, you know, I think it's more realistic to just have yeah. If if you're sensitive to these subjects, then maybe don't watch it. You'll have a bad time watching this, which is fair enough. I think, you know. I think films tend to have that anyway, what with the BBFC rating. Because, I mean, if you read the BBFC cards at the start, it'll always say, you know, what it contains, what violence and uh, sexual things. So yeah. the, the films always have an element of that, particularly with the age rating. Mm. But it's 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 super weird to me. That it may also be a way of the organisers, you say it's a, it's a BFI thing, it may be a way for the organisers to absolve themselves of a bit of responsibility well, bit. that's but that's exactly what it is it's so they don't get in trouble it's because they they are scared of the person who would see that and get offended and say well you know there's a bit where bond slaps a woman around or you know whatever and it was it was very bad and you know it that's the thing it's it's this it's i don't think it's people demanding these things it's companies trying to anticipate the demand for these things a lot of the time and it's just like again, I don't, I, yeah, it's to cover their ass basically, and and you know, it's like, is that such a bad thing anyway? I really don't, I really don't see how it's how it ruins the experience for people or whatever. But I think it's just an excuse for the older generations to kind of go, oh, we didn't need true warnings back in my day. You know, there aren't safe spaces in life. Or maybe you should try and create one, you old fuck. But speaking of Bond, I think quite a few of them are coming off Amazon Prime, even though they own they MGM. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't understand. But this is this is the thing. You can't. We've said before, you cannot trust these streaming services. There's always some bullshit. I believe that it was Barbara Broccoli who was. They reached out to her and she said, "Oh, we always thought these as cinematic kind of things." It's just like fuck you. You know, just, just, yeah, uh, and it's it's a it's a bunch as well. It's a bunch of just random ones. So it's not even from like nineteen sixty two to the seventies or something like that. It's a it's a bunch of random ones throughout the series. I I I don't get it. I really don't. Maybe it was just they just wanted to kind of have that initial thing where people sign up, but then. Why would you sign up to watch all the Bond movies? You can get them on DVD for about 20 quid. You know, and if you're that interested, you probably own the set. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. This is more of a general one, but Amazon and a bunch of other companies are laying off people, left, right and centre. Amazon apparently laid off several hundred staffers at Prime Video and MGM. 
you know, this is this is what they do. Yeah, Mike Hopkins, SVP of Prime Video and Amazon MGM Studios, says goodbye to, quote, talented Amazonians via email. Well, it's a similar thing. They've, uh, they've closed or folded Pitchfork Media, which is one of the sort of preeminent music reviewing websites, into GQ, yeah. Yeah. which is another show. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Pitchfork was like the place to go for more in-depth, harsh a lot mm. of the time, music reviews and, and things like that. And it's just like everything is being homogenized. Everything's being folded into each other. This is this is all bad stuff. And we should we should fight it wherever we can. Um, you know, it, I yes, I don't like the fact that there are fewer and fewer kind of places now where they're not owned by a huge corporation who say they don't, but probably would have some hand in the actual content these sites put out. But yeah, that was that was. I was sad to read about the pitchfork thing. Where do we go now? To the algorithm. The algorithm would just tell you what to want to, what you want to listen to next. Yeah, well, that's it. And it's just it, it's just like even in in uh, in the gaming sphere, so many gaming studios are laying off people and and whatever. And it's just this is what they do. Even though they have record profits, they just lay off people because it's cheaper that way. Who gives a fuck about human life? Who gives a fuck about people's careers? And it's it's happening all over, and it is a terrible, terrible thing. And so you know when you have when you have these companies that are pushing for less physical media in general, uh, like game, I believe in this country is is not doing trading yes, anymore. Yeah. Which is a shame. Computer exchange still will. Well, we'll still take yeah. it for you, but yeah, but yeah, but who knows how long they'll last. I think they will for quite a while, but you know, still, it, it's like you can't rely on these things. But it's, I think Microsoft are not doing physical games going forward, um, even though physical game sales are actually still pretty good. I mean, they're not like they were in the heyday, but like, I think, I think they said something like forty percent of PlayStation games are physical game sales, which is still pretty damn good in 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 the era of, of downloading and streaming and everything. Well, considering a lot of a, a lot of games, like particularly through the the online things, wouldn't wouldn't have a physical edition anyway. Yeah, and and that's it. But it's it's just it's not for it, you know. I, and I I impress this on people who may not have thought about it because like why would you at this point? Like you know, it's just like I want my game. I'll just download it. Whatever. It's not through convenience it's not through it's not because of you know changing technology and everything that companies are doing this they're doing it for control they're doing it because they want to control what you have and they want to charge you for what you have in perpetuity that is the reason why they're doing this and it's fucking scummy because there's going to be a point where people just don't own anything that they bought and would reasonably expect to own. You know, we, we talk all the time about different services losing licenses and, and then, or they can't do this anymore, so even if you purchase that on that, you're fucked. This, this is it. And this is why it is always hashtag hooray physical media. This is why we are the Shelf Preservation Society. It's a little bit glib. We, we definitely are. Rob, look, 
See, this is the problem with the left. We never unify behind anything. We're too busy with infighting. I like if that's what the left decides to unify behind is physical media. Just, just in, in, just in general. Like, if if we were right wingers, I would say Shelf Preservation Society, and you'd be like, "Fuck yeah, dude, let's kick the immigrants out." And you know, that that would be you'd get behind it. But you know, we are the Shelf Preservation Society, and hopefully, you out there. Are the Shelf Preservation Society, but as not well. Ben's racist Shelf Preservation I, Society. The thing you're saying first. Yes, I really, really do not like this shift into not owning the shit you own. It's not fair. It's shitty, deeply shitty, for lack of a better phrase. So, again, hooray for physical media. Uh. What else have I got on my notes? Well, you know, we're Cruise fans. I assume you've got this, this Tombly Cruise news. Uh, which one? Uh, the one where he signed a deal with Warner Brothers to develop and produce original and franchise yes. films. Yeah. Good. I love Tom Cruise. It turns out he never, really, uh, he never had a similar deal with Paramount. He's just put a load of his films through Paramount. And... There's rumours or rumblings that it was getting a bit frayed, particularly like with the what happened with uh, Dead Reckoning, or Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, that which is not part one anymore. No, no, I, yeah, they dropped the part one yes, from the title, yes. and that he yeah, sort so. of because I do the thing saying that that went over budget. It was COVID. I mean, obviously they filmed a lot as well, but it was COVID. That was why they sh- they shut filming down for however for however long and kept everybody on the payroll. So of course it's going to have a ballooning budget. Yeah, but the the bean counters don't care about stuff. He like was that. too they busy saving just... cinema. Yeah, they're, they're too they they are too interested in money in and money out and how much we're getting from this. This is less than we expected, even though it made money. Um, it's not what they expected, so therefore it's bad. And yeah, I mean, I'm ass- I'm assuming Mission Possible is still going to happen. Yeah, well, they fi- they filmed a lot of it already because they yeah. were filming it together, weren't they? And it- but I'm hoping I'm hoping that that the sort of Warner Brothers thing. I'm hoping this is going to be like uh, a reverse Christopher Nolan, where he got pissed off with. Warner Brothers and went to Universal and then did Oppenheimer. Well, well he can he can he them- can still go to. Paramount. He it's not an exclusive deal. It, no, it, it, but, it's, it's I'm, a deal, I'm, but I'm hoping that I'm I'm hoping that this is this this is kind of well no because the thing is those are the rumors that that Paramount and and him as a as a thing aren't quite seeing eye to eye right now, and the thing is he is a production company in human yes. form. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's very much the Tom Cruise brand. So the fact that he's got a um, a Warner Brothers kind of thing is really cool. May mean we get to see an Edge of Tomorrow sequel. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping so. But possibly because of that, Paramount announced that Top Gun, uh, Top Gun 3, Top Gun Maverick 2, is mm. in development. Yeah. But whether that means that they, they will make it or they will make it with Tom Cruise. Miles Teller and Glenn Powell are going to return as Rooster and Hangman. But the director of Top Gun Maverick said that he and Tom Cruise will only do it if there's a story and if 
they can sort of better the action of the of Top Gun Maverick. I keep going to say the first film, but and the director said that the Top Gun Maverick took thirty six years before the before it's brought to the screen. So don't be surprised if the next one takes another thirty six years. And I will annoy you mm. by calling it Top Gun Three, Top Gun Maverick Two. Of course you will. I mean, you could have just stopped at I will annoy you. There was also a brilliant thing. Did you see the Fox News host person who talked about how Star Trek isn't woke or feminist? I did not do that. <laughs> it was great. They were talking about Star Wars and, you know, there's the the Ray film coming up. Yep. And and all that, and Emily Compagno, Compagno, I think it's Compagno. She seems like the sort of person who pronounces it. I, I like that. Um, they were talking about how Disney announced Sharmin Obai Chinoy, a Pakistani-born woman, as director. And you know, they were talking about how it, it was the standard forces female. Oh shit! This is this is a bad thing. Type deal. Uh, conservative anger. This is this is from thedailybeast.com, and it says conservative anger has been especially directed at Obaid Chinoy for recently saying it's about time that we had a woman come forward and shape a story in a galaxy far, far away, as well as comments she made eight years ago about how she enjoys making men uncomfortable with her films. Uh, and it appears wokeness is nothing new for this director. Capagna groused before airing Obaid Chinoy's uncomfortable remarks. Pretty great attitude for a director of a franchise that is geared towards men. Towards the end of the segment, she predicted the film would be a flop. And um, and she talked... Companio said, And that's why I'm a Trekkie and not Star Wars. Before doing a backwards Vulcan salute. So, that's lovely. Uh, again, media literacy. It's dead. It's dead. They, they, people like this person killed it. I, I love the fact that Star Trek has been one of the most progressive things since it started and um, and saying that Star Trek isn't woke and or feminist is fucking ludicrous you know but it's it's the whole outrage thing it's the culture war thing it's great and not at all tiring oh and a quick one that Paramount they explained why they didn't market Meme Girls as a musical this is on Variety.com. To quote, wow, I almost said to quote Martin Luther King Jr., but that was the weekend where the film was released, <laughs> not the marketing VP in charge of... I, I, I just, because oh, wow. I'm, I'm reading and presenting at the same time, it's difficult, man. That, that was his follow-up dream. <laughs> that musicals can be advertised as musicals. <laughs> and judged on the content of their songs, not the... Exactly. No, Mark Weinstock is the global marketing and distribution president. And to, and he says, to start off saying musical, 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 you have the potential to turn off audiences. I want everyone to be equally excited. Don't make a fucking musical then. <laughs> I, 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 this still hurts me a little bit because I, I understand. I understand the whole thing about hiding it sort of i get why they're doing it but i just i don't think they're bringing in any extra people oh you say yeah if, if you if you weren't going to go and see a mean girls musical you're not going to go yeah. see it because they've made mean girls again well i would like somebody was sat there like in the opening bit with wonka and, and <laughs> exactly. wait a minute 
This has got songs. Um, but then I think the marketing for Mean Girls was kind of shit anyway, because they had the tagline, this isn't your mother's Mean Girls. I mean, fuck off. <laughs> this ain't your daddy's Superman. This ain't your... I, I hate all that crap. I really do. It's such a it's such an edgelord uh, kind of way of, oh yeah, no, we're different. We're more hardcore. This isn't like that old one, you know, which is... I mean, yeah, 20 years old and... Dear God, do I feel ancient by saying that? But like, yeah, no, I think it. Apparently, it has done well, but I would say that's despite the marketing rather than because of it. Anything else? I was going to talk about Oscars and things. Oscars and things. Oh, 20, 28 years yes. later, it looks to be happening, and might be a trilogy. Yeah, that's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, we were talking, we did a Franchise Fatigue episode way back when, and... Um, On 28 Days and Weeks? Yes. And now that... Now it'll be 28 years later. I think I think they should just wait a couple more years till it is actually 28 years later. Sure. <laughs> no, I want it as soon as possible, please. And I'm, I think they'll do a damn good job of it. I, I think that they're not going to... It would be an easy franchise to not return to, I think. But the fact that they are... And Alex Garland seems to have ideas up the wazoo, and and Danny Boyle is on board. Fingers crossed. You know, we we said that we weren't done with it as a franchise. It, if you know, if it carried on like Twenty Eight Weeks, which I did not enjoy as much as you did. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it's not Twenty Eight Days, no, but it's yeah. But that, but that's it. But if you know, if you've got the the original team and you've got it coming back and they've got a good idea, yeah, make a trilogy. Awesome. Yeah, aren't, weren't they shopping it around to streaming services? Yes, yes. So, and I think they'd be more likely to take on a trilogy. Oh, it's going to go to Amazon, isn't it? Probably, but this, but this is the problem. Yeah. This is this is the thing. Yeah, I mean, twenty eight days later, absolute masterpiece, absolute mm. classic. Yep. love it so very much. So, um, fingers crossed. Anything else? Uh, yes, well, they are apparently writing Jurassic World 4, oh, which would be a new yeah, trilogy. Yeah. I knew there were a bunch of things, actually, that, that were franchises that we'd talked about that were suddenly just getting new installments. Yeah, it's David Kep who's doing the, the script. Mm. I mean, it can't be any worse than the Jurassic Worlds we have, but maybe it could be. I just don't know where you go from here now. No, <laughs> no. What else do you do? Like, you know, opening another park is a terrible idea. <laughs> well, I think, as we said, well, we said the, the third film, Jurassic World 3, uh, Dominion, mm. didn't really live up to the promise of its concept of the dinosaurs and humans are now coexisting. So maybe a new trilogy could actually do that. Or maybe they should just leave it alone. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm more than happy to just wallow in, in the, the nostalgia of the the first one. That's why I'm looking forward to that game. Like you know, like it's just mm. like that that will be that's the Jurassic Park experience that I'm looking forward to most. A a, a Jurassic World sequel again just oh, it just fills me with dread. And not the fun kind of like, oh shit, scary dinosaurs, as in just like, this is going to be absolute seven-day-old wank. And Matthew Vaughan is writing Kick-Ass 3. Brilliant. 
which might be the start of the trilogy. I mean, didn't we say all we needed to say with Kick-Ass 2? I like, you know, to quote Craig Ferguson, I like Kick-Ass. You know, as, as a concept, it's actually really cool. The fact that, you know, he has he has a metal skeleton because he was so badly beaten up and has got sort of numbness so he can't feel when so he can push himself harder. That's that's a great concept. Uh, it's just Mark Miller has some deeply problematic issues that he puts in all his shit. But yeah, I mean Matthew Vaughan, I'm you know, I'm stoked for Argyle. I'm I'm looking forward to mm. anything he does. I really like Matthew Vaughan, so so yeah, we'll see. I don't think it would make mistakes for Kick-Ass 2, but Kick-Ass 2 is still a thing that exists, unfortunately. Have you got anything else? Um, no, I think that was basically it. The, the, I, I was going to talk, yeah, we could talk about the Oscars, but then I'm thinking that maybe we kind of actually talk about it a bit more in February, because I think we did that last year as well. Well, it was more the because the nominations mm. are out, and it was more the what's been omitted from. Because I mean, in February we talk about the winners, but it was more what's been omitted from it. Go on, yeah. So, um, I mean, n- no song from Wonka is nominated for best song, which is a shame. Mm. Best soundtrack is Indiana Jones has been nominated for best soundtrack, but nothing for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning wasn't for best soundtrack, and neither was. Daniel Pemberton's work on uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Which is quite a shocking omission. And then obviously the biggest the biggest ones, the ones that sort of grabbed all the headlines, was Greta Gerwig being, not being nominated for Best Director and Margot Robbie not being nominated for Best Actress for Barbie, both of them for Barbie, which sparked a weird sort of, I guess, backlash on the internet. I mean, it's understandable why people were worked out about it. People always get worked out about what is and what isn't nominated for awards like um like in the old days it was always thought of the writing jokes about leonardo dicaprio having to leave his oscars acceptance speech in the in the, in the sort of in the car or whatever because he kept getting nominated and not winning but now there's all like sort of like a backlash against people being a bit upset that margot robbie wasn't nominated because a lot of people have been quite down on america ferrera for um for getting a, a supporting actress nomination for her role mm. in Barbie. And then there was a kind of almost rage that Margot Robbie was nominated. And then there was a counter rage of people going, well, if she was nominated, who would you remove from the list? And I think in normal times, or sorry, previous years, where people have complained that, you know, a certain director or a certain actor hasn't been nominated, there isn't kind of this, well, what would you have removed instead? Well, I... I think, yeah, um, the thing that people were getting upset about was the fact that Ryan Gosling was nominated and and yet the, the two the two kind of like most important women in the whole Barbie thing, the director and the main star, were looked over and, and so people were just like, oh, well, of course the man got nominated, you know, mm-hmm. and again, it's the whole kind of, that's easy to package up into a nice rage-baity headline and get people pissed about stuff but it's not but now people are sort of <laughs> quite cross the people but, but are then, cross about yeah, it but this is this is it it's a it's a feedback loop and we're now sort of there there's now a sort of like rewriting that oh it wasn't a very good film anyway it was just an advert for for chevy in the middle of it because of the car chase but loads of films are product placement avengers endgame had a bit where 
an electric Audi drive up and it looks like a car advert because that's why you put cars yeah. in films. Otherwise, the films don't get did, made. Did, did, and well, it's this did really Walter weird... Did have any product placement? Yes. And films have product placement because they get made. Otherwise, they wouldn't yeah. get made. Yeah, no. It doesn't I, yeah, matter. I wasn't, uh, Life is I wasn't, product placement. I wasn't sure if Walter Mitty had product placement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the same level as James Bond. It's not even um, not even the same. Bond... When he flashes Bond his watch at the screen not, in Casino Bond Royale. does not pretend to be deep and meaningful about the thing that's part of the whole thing, the, the lifestyle and whatever. Walter Mitty is trying, is pretending to be fucking deep and meaningful and everything, but doing it via soulless corporate cocksucking. I think you're getting more annoyed about it because you know I like it so much. Yeah, of course. Because it's not, it's not, it's not, as I say, the only, in Walter Mitty, the only over-the-top bit is when um, Patton Oswalt, starts talking about Cinnabon. That's the only bit for me that really stands out. The rest of it is just normal life. Life magazine is a product that's placed in that film, isn't it? It is, but it doesn't exist anymore. So that was the nostalgia. Yeah. And as with the eHarmony thing, or, or Papa John's, it would have been weirder if it was a fake company clearly meant... It's, 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 and you have complained about things before when it's not Google. Yeah. When it's like search it yeah. or... Oh no, but that I haven't complained. I just like seeing, I like seeing kind of like copyright touching Google kind of things. They don't tend to do it now. They just tend to get the license from Google. But you know, it, it, when when Peter Parker searches for something on Bing in the Amazing Spider Man, that makes me laugh. When they, they when they search on you know yes, yeah, search it or web search or some other non denominational mm. kind of thing, it's funny to me. But um, but no, look, look, I'm I'm busting your balls about Walter Mitty. It's not a terrible film. It's just soulless. Right. You're soulless. <laughs> but it's, so there's this, what I find weird is, okay, yeah, yes, they probably should have both been nominated, particularly as the biggest, highest grossing film of 2023. But it's the weird backlash to the frustration because it, it doesn't, it, it does sort of feel like the bit in the film where, you know, you have to be this, but you have to be that. You have to be this at the same time as doing that. And in in, mm. in Barbie, it sort of feels that you have to want to be, uh, get a nomination for Best Director, not get it, and then not be okay with that. But, it, it, but it's, that's, it's weird. that's the problem with the internet now, is that you do mm. have the initial backlash, then you have backlash to the backlash, and then you have yeah. backlash to the backlash backlash. You know, like it's yeah. it's self perpetuating. People get themselves worked up, and and soon they end up. No matter how civil we start, people end up screaming at each other and doxing each other and and sending death threats and whatever. It's it's a fucking nightmare out here on the interwebs, and and it is the internet, unfortunately, that's facilitated that. It's you know people used to disagree in the old days too. I think I think you know maybe some humans killed some other humans over kind of disagreements. Probably I don't know. I don't really know my history, but like it has just made it easier now. And and so sometimes sometimes sort of news sites and and websites in general do encourage this because then they can report on the backlash to the backlash. <laughs> you know they can report on the backlash yeah, it, to the it, it, thing but, that but, they created in the first place. But I think in past years, you haven't had the, okay, well, I can't really think of any examples because, you know, it, it won't matter in you know a couple of months. But I can't think of it where you, okay, Robert Downey Jr. probably should have been nominated for 
best actor at least had a nomination for best actor in in Avengers Endgame but and and people said that at the time because of his work on it but there wasn't the kind of oh well who would he replace and who would you take yeah. off the list yeah I think I think in general it, it I mean personally I think Greta Gerwig probably does deserve to be best director well she did for Little Women I wonder whether it's a kind of as as I think was the case with Leonardo DiCaprio and as I think the, 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 I think the Academy sometimes is a you know they'll get it eventually yeah yeah probably you know that their work is this good they'll, they'll get it. which is why I think Scorsese got it for The Departed mm. finally because it was we better give it to him sooner yeah, rather than yeah, later yeah yeah I, I think it is a shame that Margot Robbie was overlooked I mean let's let's not forget she is great in Barbie and it's very very hard to mm. do that when you're not going as cartoony as Ryan Gosling and pretty much everyone else where you kind of have that that sort of you have to strike that balance between the sort of cartoony living in Barbie world type stuff and the almost becoming a real person and, and whatever you know that's that's difficult to do and I think she does it very very well and she's compelling and interesting and, and you know the film hinges on that so yeah she should have been nominated but I don't think it's going to bother her too much uh, I believe I believe that you know she's already got plaudits people know that Margot Robbie's great and uh, and mm. I believe that she has not that money necessarily solves everything but I believe that she has a back end kind of thing with Barbie as well in terms of gross and whatever and as it was the highest grossing film of 2023 i think she's even richer so she's crying all the way to the bank probably but she'll be fine she'll 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 do something else and people will go oh shit oh she's amazing and yeah it'll be it'll be the thing in like five years time where the academy finally go you know and margot robbie for this and then she wins and people go oh okay well that's just you know that's them finally catching up to seeing barbie i mean do you care about the oscars we talked about this last year it's just I, I find myself just not caring a lot of the time. Only when people get egots. Yeah, yeah, that's always good. I like when someone yeah, well, an when someone has a complete set, it's nice. As Elton John did recently. Yes, well, Elton John's brilliant. Uh, I don't think that's controversial to say. I mean, the, the thing that's interesting to me is Billie Eilish might win Best Original Song two years in a row. Was it two years? Three years? What did you? No time to die. No, you should be. That wasn't no. last year. That was. What, what was? What was the other years one? Years ago. There's there's something about Billie Eilish winning another Oscar, like probably looking pretty certain. Yeah, no time to die was a while ago. But then, see, this is the thing. It just it doesn't. It's just like you can't go. Oh yes, that one best original song, or that was. I mean, what was best picture last year? Everything, everywhere, all at once. You had to think about it, though, yeah? No. I did. And I love that film. I think that might be to do with age and the passing of time. Because I still <laughs> think the possibly. La La Land Moonlight thing was last, was last year, and it wasn't. No, that definitely wasn't. Yeah, other than the headline-grabbing things, like the EGOT, like the, oh, they've won their second or third in as many years or whatever, I don't really care about the Oscars outside of... The thing it's interesting to see what the what the industry is rewarding but it's just like i i still think that their push to be relevant it still isn't working 
I wonder if they're going to bring back the, the, the fan-voted ones again. That was super fun. <laughs> Is that it? Is that all we've got for January? Have you got any recommendations or observations? I I have a recommendation, uh, which is a game I've been playing lots, which is Hard Space Shipbreaker. I actually talked about this in person with you. Um, but uh, after the revelation that I actually quite like menial job simulators as video games, I think these are just dad games now. I'm just at that age where I'm just like, it's, it's almost like a model train type thing, but the sort of like... 2020s version of it um, and Hard Space Shipbreaker you are an astronaut guy and you just have to take apart spaceships and you just have to cut things with your laser and you have to put them in the right bins for different things you have to salvage all the stuff but it does a very very good job of building up the sort of the, the danger when it comes to these things because a lot of these ships have sort of nuclear reactors or things in them that you have to carefully remove and and also you get you find like hidden data drives and things which you can decrypt and find out and it does have quite a well told story um, it seems to be all about the strength of a union because the idea is you work for a, a huge faceless corporation called the Lynx Corporation and they you know you start off in debt and you are you are charged for everything including rental of your spacesuit and your tools and everything like that and then you know so you're just you're just getting deeper in debt when you're you know you have to buy your own fuel and and whatever so it's just you know just the slog and you you're on the hook for everything that's the Lynx effect nice but then you you know you get radio chatter and you get a bunch of you get to know other ship breakers and and you know that your sort of handler and then you get some corporate motherfucker come in and start trying to union bust basically and it's it's actually a very very sort of well told kind of thing it's it's surprisingly sort of i'd like this this way of storytelling where it's just over radio chatter and just over you know things that you find on data drives and it's yeah it's got a, a cool sort of like knowing sense of humor when it comes to things so you can you can get uh posters from these ships sometimes to put in your sort of hab your your own little bit and some of it is just you know like a sad cat poster saying just float in there and you know stuff like that and you can unlock stickers to put on your tools it's it's satisfying in the way that power wash simulator is satisfying in the way mm. that you know you finally you cut off like a huge bit of ship and then you you tether it to go into one of the sort of bins and whatever it's it's satisfying just breaking down a ship you know but as i said they get more and more hazardous as you go along and there's a whole thing about ai there's an ai war that happened and so you have to destroy certain AI nodes which are in the ships and finding out about those. It is very, very good. I was I was not expecting much from it. I was expecting like a just a power wash simulator type deal. But um actually I think it's it has some really decent story stuff as well. And it's just incredibly satisfying to cut off a bit of ship and just see it float slowly away. 
and sometimes you have to wrangle it back in and whatever but like the the, the physics and everything it's just fun lasering parts of a spaceship it's great so i would recommend that and that's what i've been playing cool uh, i would just shout out a couple of anniversary podcasts um, oh, not more fucking podcasts <laughs> Sorry, that just slipped out. Go on, carry on. <laughs> well, Empire, the film magazine, got to 600 episodes, which was cool. The Cinema Film Podcast got to 300 episodes, which was cool. And our friend's Garbage Film got to 100 episodes, which was also cool and nice. Well done, everybody. Well done, everybody. Yeah, I've been listening on on your Rob's, I guess. Do you have recommendations? The whole thing, have... the whole topic is observations and recommendations. Okay, well, but that's the thing. But can can if if you recommend something, do you recommend something? It's part of the observations recommendations. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I was I was listening to Real Dictators. Oh, nice. And uh, I've become quite addicted to that because Paul McGann has a nice voice. He does. He really does. It comes across as quite Welsh, actually. I don't know whether I'm just hearing that, like just some of his intonations and everything, even though. He's nothing to do with Wales. I guess maybe I've just been here that long now. It's just seeped into my brain. Yeah, listening to to some of the stuff, like, I, you know, I didn't really know about Chairman Mao that much. And the last one I listened to was about uh, General Tojo and how he basically fits the whole thing of a dictator, even though he isn't a proper, proper one. His whole deal, uh, it was insane. And... I really, really like it. It's a very, very good podcast. Mm. So thank you for that recommendation. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, but again, it, it's just like a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of my podcast kind of like listening habits now are just about terrible, terrible people. <laughs> so, like this one is well, for me is listen to you. But, <laughs> you love it. Actually, can we get, can we get a little bit Wonka spoilery up in this bitch? Because I've I've got a. Uh, points that I'd quite like to bring up. So if you guys haven't seen Wonka, I I think I can speak for myself, but I know Rob enjoyed it as well. Go and see Wonka. It's it's a good time. Yeah, we'll wait. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like just just skip this bit. In fact, skip to the end. You're not missing anything. There are going to be some spoilers because and I definitely don't want to spoil the thing that was sort of spoiled for me by the thing I'm about to talk about. So Okay, that's it. So yeah, I saw the Wonka trailer a bunch before different things. It was heavily marketed. So throughout the throughout the film, you have him talking about how once he shares his chocolate with the world, his mother will be by his side. Correct? Uh, yes. Okay. But they had a shot in the trailer of her in the crowd. Okay. So when I saw the film, I was like, okay, well... That hasn't happened yet. That isn't a thing. So, because the thing is, it was genuinely emotionally affecting at the end of the film when he does finally kind of, you know, and, and have the the sort of secret in, in, in the original, the OG Wonka bar. I wish it wasn't spoiled by the trailer. And it seemed to me that there was no need to put that bit of his mum appearing in the crowd in the trailer. I really don't think he needed to do that. And it spoiled... It took the edge off what was quite a touching moment for me. But that's always the case with trailers, and it depends how closely you watch them. And like to uh, spoil another film from from last year, Dead Reckoning, I sort of knew the fate of a character because of I worked out the trailer. Yeah, 
and you know other other film sites and you know there have been a lot of op-eds and things like that talking about how there should be you shouldn't take any parts of the ending for your trailer and I, I, I do still agree with that. I, I understand hmm. that they've put a lot of money into these things and they want to show all the good shit and all the stuff. You know, I mean, the, the example that my friend Ben always talks about is, is the trailer for Bruce Almighty, where it just has all the best jokes and gags in the trailer, parting the soup and all that stuff. It didn't have any surprises. I just feel that with the Wonka thing, it it undermined what I think would have been a lovely emotional moment. I mean, it was still affecting. It was still touching, but I just wish I hadn't seen that, you know? And because because my brain put it together, like, I recognised, obviously, the, the street and everything, like, because we'd seen that, and, you know, people milling around. And I was like, and here's his mother now. You know? And, yes, it depends how much you're paying attention to trailers. But then, if you go to the cinema quite a lot, you're going to see these trailers a lot. Plus, if you're watching YouTube with any regularity, you get these fucking trailers all the goddamn time, and you can't skip them. Yeah. You know, I I do think I do think trailers need to be edited better, so that I'm not expecting something like Tuesday, where you have no fucking idea what's going on, <laughs> or you know, like you, you know, it, apparently people who have seen it said that this trailer really doesn't give much away. Okay. I don't think all trailers need to be like that, but at least, you know, 10, 15 minutes, uh, you know, the ending of the film, just just have that as a cutoff point. You don't need that thing. And the thing is, you don't didn't need it. It's not exactly a big, a big sort of money kind of thing where they spent a ton of cash on, on an effect or something. It's just his mum in the crowd. You didn't need that shit. And I was just, I was a little upset by it because, as I said, it the movie was doing good work. And and I felt it it undermined the the actual kind of like earned emotion in the film, is all is my point. So, but again, I don't know how we fix that. Certainly not us. But I don't know how how just stop fucking spoiling endings from shit. Because I don't like it when it's the other way. When it's there's a bunch of stuff in the trailer that doesn't appear in the final film. That annoys me too. I mean, trailers are only ever to to get you to see a film. Well done, Rob. And what's a cinema? But what's your point? Sorry, I was being incredibly facetious and rude. What's your point? Trailers are only there to get you to see the film, so they so, don't have to show all their wares in in two minutes. Is that what you're saying? They can hold uh, back on some stuff. Or you're just like, well... Well, no, that, I suppose that was more to your point about think, uh, trailers having things that aren't in the film. I don't know. I, I I don't know, but I, I, think, I think trailers definitely... I don't think they give away too much a lot of the time. But some of them I, do. Some of them do, but I I just wish, in Wonka's specific case, I really wish I hadn't had that thing. It was kind of obvious he was going to see her, but like again, I wish I hadn't seen that exact shot in the trailer. But you're very cine literate, though. Why? Thank you very much. Y- yes, and I do. So maybe it's more then, about you than other people. Maybe. Maybe I should care less. I didn't have the problem. Maybe yeah, you're cine literate as well. Yeah, I don't know. And the thing is, I wasn't. It's not as if I actively watched the Wonka trailer. I wasn't even particularly. If you go back, I wasn't particularly interested in the Wonka trailer. I just no, no. Uh, in Wonka as a film. But the, the 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 trailer I saw quite a few times because of being in a cinema or watching stuff on YouTube. 
and and you know and and the thing is once once i have that sort of image in my brain i you know i wasn't i wasn't i didn't have every shot memorized from the trailer or anything but obviously when you're watching the film and you're seeing these kind of locations that you've seen before and whatever your brain kind of puts it together and it, as i said it just spoiled that emotional payoff but anyway spoiler talk over now good shit well i'm done i'm spent okay thanks that's it for this week. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. Please email podcast at thepopcornbucket.com. You can find us on Instagram and threads at popcornbucketpod or over on Twitter at popcornbucketpd. Thank you so much to Lauren Tone of Long Camp Media for the theme music. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and share. Many thanks. Take care and see you next episode. What he said. <laughs>